0: I'd like you to take your bibles and i'd like you to turn to the the book of matthew chapter one if you've been with us for some weeks for these last number of months actually we've been in the in the gospel of mark here's the thing about mark mark is the one gospel that says nothing about jesus's birth his incarnation if you want to find out the details of of uh, jesus's birth you look at the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. If you want a more cosmic view, a big picture view of of Jesus' arrival, you look to John's Gospel, chapter 1, but Mark says nothing. So even though we've been in Mark for some months and we're continuing to to go through that wonderful epic Gospel, we're not today, but Matthew chapter 1 tells us a great deal. and We're going to be looking at a couple of different verses about that. Very familiar story, but I want to I want to look at it from a slightly different angle for many of you. Before we go any further, let's pray one more time. Jesus, I ask that in this place and in this time, Lord, these are people that have, that have come and they're, they're hungry for you. They, they want to receive from your word. It's one of the reasons why they're here. And I ask, oh Lord, that you would speak to us. I thank you, Jesus, that you came, that you were willing to come. I, we, we are grateful that the Father sent you and, and gave his only Son for us. Not, not only on a cross later, certainly that was the, the high point, but, but Jesus, you, 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 you came and you emptied yourself of, of all that, that heaven afforded you so that you would be born as a man. Thank you for coming, and Lord, we honor you today, and I ask that you'd speak to us today from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. There were three people in the stable that first Christmas night. Three people in the stable that first Christmas night. We know that Mary was there, of course, and we know that Joseph was there, of course, and the infant Jesus. Later on that night, there would be some shepherds who would also come in. Some weeks, maybe even months later, some wise men came to observe Jesus. We often have the wise men around the nativity scene, um, but that was actually a bit later and we could look at that another another time, but it works, it works for the nativity scene. We have that in our home. The wise men are right there in all of their regal glory and all of that, but really, the only people who were there during the night were Mary, Joseph, Jesus, of course, and some shepherds, but initially... There were just three people, Mary and Joseph, and Jesus, of course, was born. And the one of those three that we know the least about is Joseph. Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. I, uh, I have seen many pictures of, of Mary holding the infant Jesus, and so have you this time of year when we get all of our stamps to to uh, to send off to friends the the Christmas cards and pictures and so forth, we I always I always at the post office I always get the, the stamps with the picture of Mary holding Jesus and, and our postal service always provides those for us. I'm grateful for that. And so that's we've seen countless pictures of Mary holding the infant Jesus, but I have yet to see one picture of Joseph holding Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Maybe there are pictures. There probably are. I just have never seen one. But be sure of this. Joseph certainly did hold Jesus, right? Fathers do that. They don't know what to do at first. They don't know how to hold them. It doesn't come naturally to us, but we kind of pick on, pick up after a little bit. We, we understand how to hold them so that their head doesn't roll back and all of that. But J- Joseph certainly held the infant Jesus. Information on Joseph is extremely limited. Here's what we do know about Joseph. We know that Joseph was, he was Jewish. We know that Joseph came from a long line of Jewish people. In fact, all the way, he can trace his lineage all the way back to Jewish royalty. We know that Joseph was a carpenter and let me just add something which means that he did not simply work just with wood as we would think of a carpenter today but Joseph also would have been a person who worked with stone. He was a person who took what was available around him and he would fashion things out of it. So actually a carpenter back then Um, certainly stone was much more available then in that area than even wood was. And so he would have been a man skilled in taking raw materials and turning it into something productive and useful. We know that he was a carpenter. We also know that, that he was engaged to a young woman named Mary. All of that you probably knew. Beyond that, however, we don't know a lot about Joseph. Think about it. We don't know a lot about him. We don't know how old he was at Jesus' birth. It's assumed that he was a little older, but we don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't tell us his age. We don't know when Joseph died. The Bible in none of the Gospels records it, nor does it record where Joseph was buried. We know nothing about his his death or his place of burial. Joseph is, is a very unique individual in that he is one of the most important persons in the New Testament for his role he had one of the greatest responsibilities ever given to any man and yet we know so very little about him he is one of the more uh, he 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 alone is is perhaps has one of the greatest responsibilities who is at the at the same time one of the most obscure persons in scripture now I, I use the word obscure intentionally. Um, he, 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 his story, his history, is is obscure to us, but of course, he wasn't obscure to God. God knew everything about him. God knew where he lived. God knew his his character. God knew his his abilities. In fact, God had carefully prepared Joseph. Now, I know that we often focus in on Mary and, and in focusing in on Joseph, I don't do it to detract from Mary this morning, but God had while God had prepared Mary, he had also prepared Joseph for years. He'd been working on Joseph. Again, Mary certainly chosen by God, but Joseph was also intentionally chosen by god for this most serious of tasks why because god is a god not of incidentalism but intentionality on no occasion did god just look and say well i don't know what to do but well he's available that's that's not how it was with joseph well let's see we got to have someone in this rough area this rough time okay you know what they'll do God had been preparing Mary and Joseph for years. In God's great plan, he knew that this was to be the couple that he would use to, to not only with Mary give birth to, to Jesus as a man, but these were, these were to be the people who would, who would be the, the examples to Jesus, These would be people who would instruct Jesus because the Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. It also says in the book of Philippians that Jesus had emptied himself becoming a man. He had to learn things and many of the things that he learned, he learned from Joseph. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 reads this way. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother had been betrothed, or engaged, uh, promised to Mary to, to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Luke's Gospel, the other gospel that tells us a great deal about Jesus' incarnation or his birth, um, Luke's Gospel records how an angel had told Mary, had come to Mary and announced to her that she would give birth to the Messiah. Maybe you've seen that portrayed or you've, you've read it, but, but she was to be the one, the angel said, who would give birth to the Messiah. When, when she learned about this, Mary, of course, was the first person to learn about this. Oh, it had been prophesied, of course, and others knew that it was going to happen, but not exactly how. And when the angel came and told Mary, well, Mary would have, after that point, would have at some point told Joseph. Now, now it's not recorded here, that interaction, it's not recorded that discussion, but wouldn't it be interesting to observe the, uh, the, the interesting discussion that took place when Mary told Joseph, her betrothed, her, her fiancé, the one that she, to whom she was, she was committed to marry? wouldn't that be an interesting conversation to observe? It probably went something like this. Joseph, sit down. There's something I have to tell you. Of course, something like that would get any any man's attention. And and at some point, with some kind of words, she, she told him, Joseph, I am with child. I am going to have a baby. Shortly thereafter, she would have said something like, Joseph, the baby is not of a man. She would have said something like, Joseph, you and I both know that this child is not conceived by us. You know as well as I do, we have not had physical relations that would conceive a child. She said, in fact, this child is not of any man. An angel appeared to me and told me that the child that I'm going to carry, that I am carrying, conceived by the Holy Spirit of God the thing is we don't know the dialogue it's not recorded in Scripture we don't know exactly how she told him but Joseph would have been told by Mary and Joseph would have had more questions than answers that of that I'm certain of. After that discussion, when she told him what, what had happened and what was going to happen, uh, maybe some of her feelings, Joseph would have had more questions than answers. Questions like, why now? Why now? Or, or even before that, why, why me? Or why her? Why us? You can understand why she would have some of those questions. Why? Joseph would have asked so many questions. In verse 19, the next verse, we learn something about Joseph's character. We know that he was obscure, but look at his character. It says, And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Some translations say put her away, which kind of implies a different thing. You know, Like, but it's not not that he was up to anything nefarious that he wanted to hurt her but he, he it says he was a righteous man and he and he wanted he planned to send her away in other words in other words let's 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 keep quiet about this you're going to have a baby he knew that that happens and uh, and 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 so what what can we do what can I do he's wondering he planned to send her away to save her reputation to protect her. It says here in this line that you see before you, here in verse 19, that he was a righteous man. Words matter. Let me, let me just drill down on that word for a moment. Righteous means to be in right standing with God. Righteous means to be in right standing with God. What that simple line is saying here is that, now of course he wasn't a Christian. That could not happen yet. Jesus had not died on the cross. He, 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 wasn't, he wasn't as, as, as uh, others would be later on, but he was a God-sensitive man. He was a Jewish man and he understood the law and he, he observed that, but, but there was a sensitivity to God. He was a righteous man. As righteous as he could be at that point in history prior to the cross, he was in right standing with his heavenly Father. And that righteousness, and I want you to notice this, I want you to notice the sequence there, his righteousness, his right standing with God also affected how he dealt with other people. There's a correlation here between him being in right standing with God and his concern over someone else. His concern over his wife or his intended, his betrothed, and the fact that she's expecting it. He he wants to care for her. And so he, he wanted to protect her reputation, protect Mary. Verse 20, it reads this way. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her, <coughs> excuse me, is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now you understand that much of this he had already heard particularly early on there in verse 20, he's simply finding out from the angel much of what Mary had already told him. But I think this was important. I think he needed an angelic appearance himself. Remember, sometime before, we don't know exactly how long, but sometime before, an angel had appeared to, Joseph, excuse me, to Mary and told her. But now, uh, an angel appears to Joseph and tells him much the same thing. And he needed to hear this. He'd heard this already, but he needed to hear from God himself. Let me just add something. I am so very grateful how, how God has spoken to other people. And he has revealed things to them. But when it comes time to really change our lives, it's really good to hear from God ourselves. And I, and I thank God for those occasions in which the Lord is moving on someone close to me and, 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 and then and then God speaks to me. And this is what happened here with, with Joseph. God, through a messenger, an angel, that's really primarily what angels did throughout Scriptures. They were messengers. And, and through an angel, God spoke to Mary. And then Through an angel, God spoke to Joseph. In that few-second declaration, because really that's all it takes to to read that, that whole declaration, in that few-second declaration, Joseph learned at least four things. He learned that he was to take Mary as his wife. The child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The child was male, his boy, And the child was to be named Jesus, which means salvation. But here's what's missing. In all of that explanation, really, there isn't a great deal there. What's missing for Joseph was an opportunity for questions and comments. Please notice that. You won't find in the text, I've looked, you won't find in the text, the angel saying this and then saying, so there it is, Joseph, do you have any questions about anything? I think at that point, the angel just kind of disappeared, made the statement, and then moved out. That doesn't mean that he didn't have questions. He certainly did. But there was no opportunity to ask for more information. You can look. You won't find it. There was no opportunity for comments and for questions. There's no opportunity for rebuttal. There's no opportunity for, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Tell me more about this. No, none of that. It was the angel delivered the message and then left. And in the months that followed, in the months that followed this initial declaration, or actually it was the second one because he heard the first time through Mary. This is the first time for himself. But but in the months that followed this angelic appearance, Joseph would be directed by God through dreams at least three more times. At least three more times in a dream an angel appeared to him And gave further direction. Each time, okay, it's you, you're you're going to leave. You're you're going to go to you're going to go to Egypt, to, or in in Egypt, God speaks to him again a couple years later, and and, and and directs him back. And three different times, on four separate occasions, God spoke through an angel to Joseph in a dream. And each time, each time, again, you can look for yourselves later. Each time, God's directions probably created more questions than it provided answers each time well what about no there was no opportunity for that again no occasion did the angel ever say any questions joseph and yet here's what i want you to see not only was he obscure joseph was known only for the most part only to god and righteous, that too God knew. God knew his heart. But he was also obedient. Every time when an angel through a dream spoke to Joseph, every time, every time, every time Joseph obeyed. Every time Joseph trusted God and then acted on that trust with obedience to God's direction. You see, it's one thing to say, I trust God. But our absolute or, or ultimately our trust is displayed in what we do in our obedience. Because it's one thing to say, I trust God. It's one thing to say, I believe in Jesus. It's one thing to say, well, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I've given my heart to God. I've given myself to Him. He is my Lord. It's easy to say that, and those are not bad things to say. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, it is our obedience that determines our trust. Because we can say it, We can say it, but we actually believe it when we do it. And each time on those four occasions in which an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream, God's speaking through that angel, telling him what to do and where to go, each time Joseph obeyed. So Joseph was obscure. He, He wasn't known to a large group of people, certainly in his community, but beyond that, not a great deal. But God knew where he was. Joseph was righteous. Other people saw him as an upstanding man, I'm sure, and saw the demonstration of that righteousness, but only God knew his heart. And Joseph was obedient. When God spoke, he not only listened, he did. No one here, or anywhere, will ever be called by God to carry out such an amazing and profound task. Like this. In that way, Mary and Joseph were very unique. Jesus only had to come one time and and be born the one time, and no one else will ever have such a weighty responsibility as them. But we do have something in common with these two people. These two adults, the only initially the only two adults there present at that most momentous of births. We do have something in common with them. First, we are obscure people. I don't mean unimportant, and I'm not putting you down. If I say, you know, you're just a very obscure person, I think that can be taken. You know, you're talking to somebody, you know, you're very obscure. <laughs> it sounds like a put down, but it's really not. We are obscure people. That does not mean unimportant. It, it, it does not mean incidental. It does not mean that we're, that we're without value. I do mean that few of us here today, if any of us, will ever be known by the masses. And that comes as probably no big breakthrough to you, but you will probably and I will probably never be known by tens of thousands of people. And by the way, that's just not a bad thing. How many here are really okay with that? I, I certainly am. Most of us are okay with the fact that we will never be known by the masses. And yet, I want to really underline this simple fact. God knows where you live. God knows where you live, and He knows what you're going through. A few moments ago, Pam shared, and she said, God has gifted you. And I, again, I didn't know she was going to share that, but I'm, so glad that she did. She said, God has gifted you and be used of Him. God knows the unique things about you. He knows not only where you live, He knows everything about you. And He has gifted you and He's given you abilities. Some abilities that will only be known by a few or, or by a smaller group, but and never by the masses. But God has a purpose for you. Obscurity in this world is one thing, but I would rather be known by hardly anyone in this world but be known by God than be known throughout this world and yet not be in right relationship with Him. So if you're obscure, well, welcome to the club. You know what? Throughout this book, and you can find it yourself, in this way Mary and Joseph were not unique, and that is some of the people that God used the most were obscure people. I mentioned earlier, and I, didn't put it together until now but you know Moses that I mentioned earlier how God appeared to him in that burning bush and spoke to him out of that burning bush he was an obscure person now he hadn't been obscure 40 years before but after 40 years of being a shepherd in the backside of the desert I'll tell you what that'll make you obscure God uses obscure people God uses unlikely people God desires to use you and you may think, you may be tempted to think I'm unimportant. I'm no big deal. Nobody knows who I am and and you might be true in that sense but you are important and God desires to use you where you are in spite of and perhaps because of your obscurity. Be used of Him. God knows where you live. Joseph and Mary were righteous. I mentioned earlier how God had had prepared them and guarded them that does not mean that they were that they were without sin they they had certainly sinned they had thought things said things done things that were not pleasing to god certainly none of those things are recorded but they were in right standing with god god had done a work in their heart and to the best of of their ability at that point again prior to to having full salvation possible to them through the, the death of Jesus on the cross. They were in right standing with God. They were righteous. This too we can have in common with them because you and I, glory to God, have the ability to be righteous people. i underline that again. You and I, through the power of Jesus Christ, have the ability to be righteous people. Because years after that stable scene, years after that beautiful crash, that, that beautiful nativity, years later, Jesus made righteousness possible on the cross. He made it possible to be in right standing before God. The Bible says that Jesus took our sin upon himself. The one who had never sinned became sin so we could be in right-standing righteousness before God. In our Bible study this last Wednesday night, we were talking about this from the book of 2 Corinthians and how how he, he reconciled, Jesus reconciled holy God and sinful man by what He accomplished on the cross. Glory to God, regardless of what you've done, how long you've done it, how many times you've done it, You can be righteous before the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You can be righteous before God because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So many times we get down on ourselves because we know, he said, we've done this, we've done this, we've done this. And and, and we, we put these labels upon ourselves and if you don't, sometimes the enemy does. The enemy of our soul, I mean. He puts these things on us and says, you're worthless, you're no good, you can't be used of God. Look what you've done. Look how many times you've done it. And then Jesus comes along and He forgives us of our sins and He removes our sins from us. The rest of the world around us may remember, but the Bible says God Himself does not because it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. Glory to God! I'm so grateful for righteousness. And then Joseph and Mary were also obedient. I'm sure they were... <laughs> I'm sure they would have preferred God's plan to be more clear. I'm sure they would have preferred God's plan to have an abundance of information. Tell me more. Tell me what we're supposed to do when he's five. Tell us what we're supposed to do when he's 12 years old and in Jewish tradition he becomes a man. And this is the son. Tell me what we're supposed to do. I'm sure they would have liked more information. I'm sure they would have preferred God's plan to be lined up perfectly. Perfectly. This will happen, this will happen, and this will happen in that order. And I'm sure they would have preferred God's plan to be agreeable to them. As if to say, yes, Lord, it's good for you and it's agreeable to us. We have a contract. We're going to make this happen. But it it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. It was more like, okay, we have the information We have more questions than we have answers, and this won't be easy, but we will trust you and we will do as you have called us to do. They were obedient. I want you to see this about this young couple. I want you to see it in the man named Joseph that we often overlook. These were obedient, God-obedient people. I don't have all the answers. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what, exactly what you're doing. And quite frankly, sometimes I wonder what you are doing. But I'm going to trust you. And if you call me to do it, I'll obey. We often ask God for His will to be done in our lives. I don't know about you, but I pray that all the time. God, may Your will be done in my life today. I have plans, I have a schedule, I've got a full schedule, I've got a lot of things. But Lord, beyond that, may your will be done in my life today. So if you want to use me, that's kind of a scary prayer to pray. But we pray that, you probably pray that all the time. God, may your will be done in my life today. Here's the thing. We often want his will to be orderly and understandable. I do. Some of you know me, and I, I love order. I just absolutely love order. It's just how God made me. And, and, but sometimes that, that, that way that He made me can interfere with the, the, the way that God works in my life because I have to tell you, it's not always orderly. We want all the facts. We want as many details as possible. And yet I've got to tell you, if you don't know this already, it's seldom that way. We may not know why God is doing things His way in our lives. We may not know why He is doing things His way in our lives. You've heard this, probably heard it much, and and, and there's some good points to this, but how we often need to understand the why. You, You see this a great deal in business. You see it a great deal in commerce, really in any kind of human interaction What's the why? It's important to know the why. Why are you doing this? Why are you going there? Why is that important? Why is that no longer be done? Why? The why is very important, and it takes a lot of time sometimes to explain the why and, or to determine the why. But let me tell you something God doesn't have to answer every why question that you have. I I, I, I'm telling you, I don't necessarily like that, but it's true. He doesn't have to tell me always or tell you always why. And He doesn't have to tell us when. He doesn't have to tell us when it's going to happen. He doesn't have to tell us how. And He doesn't have to always answer the who question. I know that in our world, in our organization, and in and in, in the way that we want things carried out, we want all of those who, when, where, what, and why questions answered but it's not always going to happen with God. He may simply call you to do something. He may put it on your heart and you don't understand why and you don't understand when and you don't understand who, but you can still trust Him with that. You need to understand and hear me on this. Please understand that a lack of details does not mean you're out of His will and sometimes we second guess and we say god i don't have all the answers i must be out of his will sometimes when you don't have the answers maybe maybe a factor in you being in his will his ways are not our ways and his plans are not always our plans and he has a way of coming. I mean, think of these people, Joseph and Mary. They had it all laid out. We're going to get married on such and such a date. And, and, and it's going to happen, and we're going to, we're going to set up shop, literal shop. I mean, you're a carpenter. You're going to set up shop here, and we're going to live to our old age, and we're going to have a whole bunch of babies, and we're going to just have grandbabies after that. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. And Mary's thinking, I'm just going to be the greatest Jewish grandma ever. And it didn't work out that way. But God still had a plan. And he has a plan for your life and my life. At any point, Joseph could have said, I'm not going to marry her. He could have said that. Could have went ahead with his plan, take care of her, protect her, but this wedding's off. He could have at any point said, I'm not going to uproot my life. Go to Egypt? I don't even speak Egyptian. <laughs> it's a different culture. they are pagans down there. Not going there. He could have at any point said the job is too heavy. The demand's too much. It's too hard. Being responsible to raise the Messiah. And yet each time he, they, obeyed. Joseph apparently died at some point between Jesus' 12th and 30th year. Um, We see him at age 12, a brief little window into Jesus' childhood as he's about to become a man according to Jewish tradition at about age 12. We know that Joseph is alive then and when Jesus begins his public ministry 18 years later at age 30, Joseph is gone. He apparently died at some point between Jesus' 12th and 30th year. It's worth noting, however, that the man who probably assisted in Jesus' delivery because no midwife or doctor is mentioned, the man who probably helped guide that child through the birth canal and perhaps held that baby as he was newly born, The man who was quite possibly the very first person to hold the newborn son of God never lived to see the rest of the story. Think about that. He never lived to see the rest of the story. He never lived to see the fulfillment of the plan. He he wasn't there when Jesus performed his first miracle at the wedding of Cana. He wasn't there when Jesus spoke to the masses. He was unaware. He was already gone when, when, when Jesus worked those miracles of healing and deliverance and provision. And I say that because in God's plan, sometimes He has us do something that will never be fulfilled in our lifetime. There are some things that God is having you do right now. Some seeds that He is planting in you and through you right now that you will never see fulfilled in your lifetime. This woman who passed away, a godly woman who passed away just a few days ago, there were some seeds that she planted that have not yet come to pass. But they were still planted in faith. The person you die who's going to, or the person you know who's going to die this coming week, there are some things that they planted that they will not live to see the, the fruit. There are things that other people carefully started in you years ago that are just now coming to pass, but they've never seen it. Joseph never saw. The fulfillment, and yet Joseph's reward is secure in heaven. I'm looking for, how many here are looking forward to meeting Joseph? (laughs) I am. I'm going to say, Joseph, tell me more. (laughs) Mark didn't say anything. Tell me more, Joseph. (laughs) John was pretty broad and not telling the whole, but tell me more, Joseph, what happened that night. And if it's still important, I think it will be at that point. If we don't already know, we. We'll be told by Joseph, and someday we're going to meet him. Obscure, righteous, and obedient Joseph. Obscure, righteous, and obedient Mary. Again, we have very little in common with them. These people had this unique role. But you and I can be all three of those things. And glory to God for it. Obscure. Wherever you are, God can use you and desires to use you. And righteous. Don't waste your time trying to become righteous on your own. Don't try to outdo the bad things with the good things. (laughs) Find your righteousness in Jesus Christ. He is the only one through His blood that was shed on the cross, which is, by the way, a greater event even than His incarnation was His death. For it was his death that purchased our salvation. It was his death that purchased our righteousness. This morning you can be in right standing with with God. You can be totally clean before God. And it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed. You and I can have that. And you and I are called to be obedient people as well. Without all of the information, without all of the details or the answers, God, you spoke it. I will do it. It's hard. It's challenging. I don't know what's going to happen, but if you tell me to put my foot there, I'm going to put my foot there. If you tell me to go there, I'm going to go there. If you tell me to say this, I'm going to say it. It might be hard, but I will be an obedient follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is my prayer for you. As we look at that nativity scene, and you certainly will between now and the next seven or eight days, many times perhaps, I want you to look at Joseph. And then when you do that, may I want you to look at Mary as well. And I want you to say, Lord, make me like you, but use me like them. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I am grateful for my brothers and my sisters who are here today. And I pray, I pray according to your word and according to these people's example who was written.